Hi, everyone. I just wanted to let you know that from now until Christmas, all of my online courses are 20% off. This sale stacks with our ongoing bundle discount. So when you purchase two or more courses, you'll save 10 to 15 additional percentage points off of the total price. These online courses are the perfect last minute Christmas gift. Just check the box indicating that the course is a gift at the checkout and fill out the gifting form on the confirmation page. This way you can schedule your gift to be delivered on Christmas morning or any other time. And if you'd like, we also have printable gift certificates that you can print and put under the tree. Just click the link in the show notes to learn more. Merry Christmas, everyone. I'm so grateful to have Thomas here on this call. And I know you have some super fans in this audience. And hopefully we'll get to hear from people a little bit as the conversation goes on. People can put comments in the chat. Christy will be curating those, whatever. She'll be speaking up. Um, so if you really want her to take your question, just, you know, promise her something. <laughs> Uh, so, uh, but Thomas, I'm so glad to have you on. Uh, let me just say a bit about Thomas. So Thomas is an author, developmental researcher, and meditation teacher, and he's the founder of Lower Light School of Wisdom. He's been practicing for over 25 years in the tr tradition of Sufism, Buddhism, and Christian contemplation, among others. So, so thank you for being here. And I, I do want to just say, so I have your book here. It just came in the mail the other day. Oh, wonderful. Uh, yeah, I'm so happy to have it. Um, I actually read this before when it was just in PDF form. Um, and I just want to say something about it first. So first of all, it's just beautifully written. Like I know how difficult it is to write about complex ideas, which I think is very much at the core of this book. It, it's not, you know, straightforward. And to not only write coherently, but to do it beautifully. And you really, truly did both. Like, I'm like, I suck as a writer. So it's just, it's almost poetic. And, and, but the other thing I want to say about this book is that, so, you know, I appreciated some of your own stories from your life, um, some of your own faith crises and so on at, at an early age. And, I also, in my adolescence and early 20s, went through a kind of faith crisis. Nobody had that language for it then, but a real kind of terrifying loss of belief in the way that the people around me believed or seemed to believe. And I, I wanted very much to believe and I wanted very much to belong. Um, but I, I felt like there were just elements that didn't fit for me. And, you know, with time, I, I found a way to kind of reconcile and find a way to be honest and belong in my faith tradition and in yeah. in so there was something about this so so as i've done the work that i do with people um it's like my belief in god has increased my belief in goodness has increased my yeah. sense of this deep order that exists within humanity, within all the suffering and the chaos and the uh, inequality in people's lived experience, experiences that I could still feel, I could feel, I have felt progressively this sense of order and divinity that's in yeah. all of us. So when yeah. I was reading your book somewhere in the middle, you know, I, I, I wasn't able to make notes and everything because I didn't have a hard copy then. <laughs> I just felt it. it I can't, I don't even know if I can put into words, like it just, I could feel so much the truth of what you were saying. And mm -hmm. also 
like it was it was really giving language to the richness of the gospel the good news of the gospel and uh-huh. it was just so lovely for me just so anchoring for me just to have your language and your experience to kind of um articulate some of what we experience through our suffering through the vulnerability of being human um that you know, is sometimes hard to really make sense of because it can feel so yeah. much like just like suffering and that's it. And so, yeah. yeah. So anyway, I appreciate it. And um, I, I obviously recommend the book to everyone uh, here. So, so, but maybe Thomas, where we could, could, I, start... could I respond to that? Oh, Jennifer? please, please. Um, I just want to say thank you. Like really from my heart, uh, I feel so gratified to hear you say what you just did. Um, words, words are inadequate, right? And I put as much heart as I could into the book, hoping that yeah. something would come through the words that the words can't actually carry and to, to feel divinity reflected through you right now. now and to yeah. feel like that sense of joy and connection and celebration and what we are, the reality of what we are, yes. that is beyond words. I, I just feel so gratified and joyful to just feel that reflected from you right now. So right. thank you for being open to it and for uh, connecting with me through it. It means so much. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I would say that too, I, I loved just, I could, there was a warmth, there's a warmth in the book. There's a heart. <laughs> there is, there really is. Uh, and, and I even think just even your own stories are so, um, you know, they're compelling. They, they, they pull you in. So thanks, Jennifer. Yeah. yeah. It means so much. Yeah. So, you know, so just for the audience, I sent Thomas one of the most recent episodes of Clive and Juliana, and we'll we'll probably be referencing them a little bit just to kind of think through the dilemmas that they're up against. And in particular, Clive is up against um because I see Clive is really struggling with the vulnerability of being human. Um, and what it means in a relationship. But before we go to any questions about that, Thomas, I mean, I think it would be really helpful just for you to articulate how you think about this human divinity experience, how you think about what it is for us to be here on this planet. And was a pretty broad question, but just jump in. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I'll do my best. Where to start? Well, it's such a such a gracious introduction into your space. Thank you so much for having me on the show and letting me be with you and your guests, your your fans. You have you have uh, mega fans. I talked to so <laughs> many people who are just like gaga over you. So it's oh. it's a real honor to get to be in your space and oh. to, um, get to share the conversation. Um, yeah, what do I think? Um, just I'll just speak intuitively from no particular starting place. Uh, I religion didn't work out for me the first go around when I was young and uh, but I did find that I had a temperament that was really kind of um, uh, congenial to meditation just sitting still and just Mm. being in my stillness and in that experience I talk about this in the book it's one of the themes but I I learned this delicious taste of uh, oneness or maybe a little more familiar to us in our tradition, um, just an intimacy with mm. the divine. Like I didn't realize, had I realized when I was younger, 
that there was an opportunity to walk with God. Of course, I would have been interested in that. But it just mm -hmm. like, for whatever reason, the messaging, the, uh, the uncomfortable chairs and the three hour block of church, something about it didn't work. And I came to that experience through a different tradition. But as I did that, as I tasted this like intimacy with divinity, I got really curious spontaneously about, wait a minute, like, this is not new, like something in my heart was already awake to it from the mm -hmm. very beginning. And I, I, so I just naturally oriented towards the restored gospel, mm -hmm. which is the tradition of my parents and my parents' parents. And the, the book is really an attempt to just uh, till the rich soil of our own mm -hmm. tradition there. Yeah. This is I, what I wanted to communicate to people like, look, I have kind of a weird, unorthodox up spiritual formation and Buddhism and living in Asia and blah, blah, blah. But people don't need to go anywhere for this. Like right here mm -hmm. is where this communion and this intimacy begins. It's on offer. Mm -hmm. And this, this thing comes up in your work. And I'm excited to talk about it in the mm -hmm. context of therapy and relationship. Mm -hmm. But what I want to communicate in the book is like um, a better life than you can imagine a, a divine life in the company, the mighty company mm. of divinity is right here. Mm. And there are ways we can open ourselves to that. But just like human relationship, opening ourselves to divine relationship is just as vulnerable, yeah. maybe more so, I don't know, but it's so vulnerable to open ourselves to a genuine relationship yeah. with God. So I look in the book at like, what are the ways we defend against it? What are the ways we manage to not just completely lay ourselves open and bare to that incredible intimacy on offer. Mm. That, that's it. That's, mm. that's what it's about. Yeah. Well, and I think, you know, boy, do we resist. Yeah. <laughs> I, I feel so much, you know, empathy for Juliana and Clive and me and all of us like, yeah, I mean, it's raw as we start to realize as we start to take inventory of how we defend. You know, I, right. I think I talk about them as um, avoidant behaviors in the book, but whatever we call them, it, it's just so intense to be intimate. Yes. We want it. It's what we want most. And it's what we're best at defending against simultaneously. So, yeah. And, and say a little more about that, if you would, like, why, why is it so terrifying for us? Why are we so resistant to it <laughs> when we all, yeah. in a sense, claim that we want intimacy? I mean, if. People right. come to me because they are certain that's what they desire. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. I, I mean, what I've found to be helpful, I, I think I and we are genuine when we say we want intimacy. But in my life experience, I would say that it would be it's probably more honest for most of us all the time to admit that we're profoundly ambivalent about wanting an intimacy. We don't consciously think that. Yeah. But if we investigate the matter, we have to admit to ourselves, actually, I, I want intimacy and it's the last thing I want. I'm right. very ambivalent about it. And, and you, you do this in your work so beautifully. I think you help people realize their ambivalence and that they've got a foot on the gas pedal and the brake at the same time. Yes. It's like, you want to go faster? Well, you know, let up on that brake pedal just a little bit yeah. and it's going to freak you out. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> well, and I think it's, it's the... I don't want to, I think you have such great language for it, but this is how I would talk. It's the loss of control yeah. of validation of the ego. It's the loss yeah. of, you know, I am a vulnerable human being on this planet and totally. 
I want to be loved, but I want to have control over being loved. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. I, I agree. Um, you know, my language is um, inadequate. It, it falls short, but language I use in the book that I found to be kind of a helpful orienting map. Uh, we have core vulnerabilities. Our need to be in control is one of those things. When we're out of control, we freak out. Mm -hmm. We just do. When we don't feel safe, when we don't feel respected and regarded by other people, there, there are core vulnerabilities mm -hmm. that are related to our human biology, our development. And when those nerves get zinged, we freak out. Yeah. Um, so I think having an awareness of what those core vulnerabilities are, how we defend against feeling our vulnerability and, and skillful means to relax into a, a, a deeper intensity and therefore communion. I think that's what we're all up to in this divine adventure. Yeah, and one of the ideas I, I love that you talk about in the book and and is very much in sort of the courses I teach and so on is that when you feel you're not getting what you want, you know, your spouse is yeah. doing it wrong. Right. <laughs> and, and if they would li just listen to you, you could tell them how yeah. this could all go so much better and so on. Yeah. And when and when when you're disappointed, when you're you know, when I, when I was most recently teaching my strength in your relationship course, I was saying, you know, the thing that defines a marriage, really, the, the thesis of this whole course is how you handle yourself when you're not getting what you want yeah. determines the marriage. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. It. Beautifully said from an expert, you know? Yeah. And yet, you know, even I today was upset because I wasn't getting what I wanted and I was totally. going into my, you know, defensive ego. Yeah. Uh, very unimpressively. <laughs> yeah, no, totally. But very I, humanly, I suppose. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, uh, some language that's helped me with this divine adventure slash misadventure is that these these practices we engage in to slowly adapt to deeper intimacy, which freaks us out, they're they're often recovery practices. And what I mean by recovery practices mm -hmm. is like, as long as we're embodied vulnerable human beings, we're going to organize around our egos. We're going to defend against anything trying to get in. Mm -hmm. And it's the moment of recognition, like, oh, I'm doing that thing mm -hmm. I do again. And the recovery mm -hmm. practice is saying, I have an intention to, to do it differently. I, I, I really uh, do yeah. have a deeper intention to come back to intimacy. So the, the, the self-awareness is yeah. the practice. Because yeah, we're recovering yeah. as we yeah, do exactly. it. And, and that's just realistic. Because if we go in thinking we're not going to fail a thousand times a day, even when we're like, you know, a marriage expert and a mindfulness yeah. teacher, we're just yeah. deluded. I just, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because the me, body. <laughs> no, absolutely. No, 100%. Because, you know, who, who, the body, as you're saying, is like they're signaling, you're not yeah. getting what you want. You don't have the control you have. You're not getting the esteem Danger. you want. Danger. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And, and we also have, I think, patterns of, of how we ourselves and, and, you know, you can be married to someone who does it differently. But what's yeah. your knee jerk? Where do you go in that moment to kind of right. fend off those feelings? Right. Uh, which I love the way you express that idea. Like it's and it feels in the moment you've fended it off like it feels good. I told my yeah. spouse exactly what was the problem and yeah. <laughs> and I feel smart and able. Um, right. But then I, as you talk about, you know, often in that doing that, we've actually created more suffering for us ultimately. Totally. 
Yeah. yeah, I love it. Yeah, totally. I love riffing with you because like our worlds are actually quite joined. Like we we approach this intimacy thing yeah. from different walks of life, but it's I'm just feeling how similar language it is actually. Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 Well, keep going. I, well, I, have so I love thoughts, it. And I, so I think <laughs> and it's interesting because you know, one of the well, one of the ways I talk to people is if you can see it, you know, th then you're not just in reaction. You're not just doing it and feeling super justified. Right. You know, you introduced me to Keegan and that yeah. idea of kind of moving out of that egocentric state into a state of being in an egodystonic state. You're like, okay, look what I'm doing. You're able to look back and say that's right. that's uncool and and when I do that, it gets my spouse to do this other thing that I hate and I'm a part of the problem. So as we can start to actually see yeah. our own reactivity, it expands our agency. It, it, like totally. you were saying, a corrective practice, like you can actually go and do it deliberately differently. And I think that that's still scary. You know, it's harder. Totally. It feels better to get into my self-righteousness than to go and speak just more honestly or to talk yeah. more collaboratively. Yeah. Because I, you know, I don't know why it, it, it's, it's more productive, but it feels yeah, <laughs> totally. Yeah, no, yeah. I love this. It reminds me. So I was listening the the episode you shared with me to kind of bring me up to mm -hmm. speed on the conversation. I, I love what you said about exercise that you hate the feeling, but wisdom is to do it until you actually learn to in my language, yes. you learn to detect the reward flavor of something that was initially aversive. Like yes. you have to really get through the aversive stage to realize yes. there's something that wasn't obvious before, but it's so good yes. if I'm willing to stick it, stay yes. with it, that it develops like kind of an intrinsic like reward flavor and momentum to it. Yeah. And intimacy is this way. If I can, can I say a word about Please, this? Yes. What you're saying just like really brought this up for me strongly. Um, if every time we're faced with, we're, we're offered intimacy, but that intimacy is very intense and it scares us and we say no to it, we, we manage to manipulate conditions just enough to create an artificial temporary sense of safety. Yeah. That's a, that's a temporary reward flavor. We feel relief in the moment, but there's a deeper feeling of, in my own words, it's something like, but I know I'm not in control. And actually, yes. after exerting this very superficial control, I feel I feel that life is even less trustworthy yes. because I've created the sense that I always have to be in struggle against the yes. way things are. Yeah, Whereas if we stick with this invitation to intimacy, in my experience over time, yes. we start to detect the subtle reward flavor of, wow, I just felt like such intense loss of control and sh like the sense of being humiliated and I can't yes. control what other people are saying and thinking. And yet the subtle flavors and I'm still like, I'm, I'm not only alive, I'm like more than alive on the other side yeah, of it. Exactly. And I'm realizing I can show up for life. I can be fully embodied and open hearted and trust how things are unfolding. So life becomes yes. more trustworthy as yes. we start to like really let go of 100%. that vice grip on. Right. 100%. But that, 
process is difficult oh yeah into. it's like yeah. that feeling that deep order it's like you can feel it the more you're living yeah. in it yeah and you trust it more I, you know i'll sometimes be totally. saying to myself like i hate this but like i yeah. know it's what i have to do yeah, totally. <laughs> totally. yeah. you're yeah. i was uh i was teaching um sunday school not that long ago and someone as people do uh, just said something spontaneous and beautiful. Mm. We were talking about, I don't remember what, and he just said, like, with the spirit in him, mm. you know, something is already working out among us. Yeah. And, and like, you know, in, in our faith tradition, it would be something like the spirit is working through us, the, the power and the light of Christ is working through us. It's already working. Yeah. And if we can surrender that superficial sense of control at a personality level, what you're calling the deep order we we feel that catching us again and again and we realize how trustworthy life is and yeah. how trustworthy relationship is actually yeah exactly yeah and i i um you know a, a similar idea that i saw you write about which is just so, so something i say is you know sexuality is not satan's playground self-deception is right and i think you said something similar to that that the devil uh, is, is, is at least cunning right so there is a, <laughs> this this kind I think of you said that one better i'll give that to you <laughs> yeah. yeah but uh you know we we can trick ourselves into this idea that i'm getting what i want i can be really mean i can be really you, you know right. just today my sister was working with this very difficult person who's just very hostile and different and you know, you have this initial sense of like, you shouldn't let him get away with that. You, you know, you, but I was thinking about it more and I was thinking that person must suffer so much in life because they live in this deeply entrapped, deceived world. Right. right. And they, you know, there's no freedom for that person at all. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And, yeah. and anyway, to the, but, to the extent that we are compassionate towards our own suffering, we, we can see others, the reactivity that yeah. comes from other people's suffering and we yeah. don't have to participate in their reactivity. Yeah. We can see that reactivity and say like, I know that suffering and I do not have to multiply that with my own suffering. Exactly. Rather yeah. than, Oh, we shouldn't let him get away with that. That was sort of my initial right. response. Yeah. And then yeah. I was thinking he isn't getting away with it. That yeah. is to say he's yeah. living it and I don't want to join him in that world, you know, totally. uh, even though it satisfies that sort of ego, you know, Right. defensiveness yeah totally but, yeah but yeah amen yeah yeah we we so, don't get away with anything you no. know when we when we defend against our, our own vulnerability we're actually you know if i can speak in buddhist terms just a little bit we're actually acting aggressively towards reality we're saying that yes. reality is not okay as it is so i have to do something aggressive to change it yeah and we're already caught in our own suffering at that point we, we could never we'll never get away with that we'll always be corrected by the goodness of divine reality when yes. we do that divine, god loves us too much to let us rebel against the goodness that's already here for us yes yeah i i love that yeah it's like <laughs> it's a it's a similar idea i i brought this up in the faith matters talk but i think it was oh i can't remember the name of the um i can't say his name but um he says sin is the refusal to keep growing Mm -hmm. NISA, yeah. NYSSA. I can't remember the 
It's oh, Gregor Nessa. Yes, 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 yeah, yes, yeah, exactly totally. who it is. Yeah. So yeah, that refusal to keep growing, and what I think of that is like the the reality is 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 pressing itself on me, and right. I just I resist it. I don't want what is real. I don't want what is true. It scares me. I feel inadequate for it, and so I'm going to take everyone down instead. I'm going to take myself down, right. and, and fight it. And so we end up suffering, but not because God's punishing us. Right. But because in our resistance, we will suffer rather than opening our heart up to what is and tolerating yeah. the vulnerability of it, tolerating yeah. the discomfort of it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's what you're describing is the world and the reality I live in. Um, I don't know, you know, from a Latter-day Saint perspective, and, and I'm not sure how many non-Latter-day Saints are in the conversation, so I want to be inclusive. Yeah, probably very few, but but it's okay. This will eventually go, meaning this is mostly Latter-day Saints, I think, but but be inclusive because um, we'll eventually put it on the larger feed and that has more. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll say from my own faith perspective, um, you know, God can't punish us so much as be in alignment with universal law God, God is God from a Latter-day Saint perspective because, you know, our heavenly parents have learned to work with the flow of sacred reality. So it's, mm -hmm. it's not as though they stand outside of mm -hmm. the law of reality to even yeah. punish us, right. right? They're examples to us in, as we grow up in our own divinity. I think it's just so yes. human to suppose that we're being punished. But um, yes. I think what you're saying about suffering and our own struggle is maybe closer to what's happening mm -hmm. who knows yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah so um christy are there any people that have questions that someone asked what were thomas's most successful practices for relenting the illusion of control oh geez most successful practices well you know we all have our biases um i i don't think my ideas it, it, I write about this. I teach this stuff. Um, it's one way to approach it. And I, I always recommend to people that they like sample far and wide among different teachers, different schools. But I'll say with my, I have a bias and this comes from my training and uh, mindfulness, really, that. Um, just staying embodied in the immediacy of our sensations is a really powerful practice. It's very difficult, like many times a day. I will catch myself having an experience that's some, it's something less than heavenly. Let's say yeah. like, that's an understatement, but I'll catch myself like there's just kind of a, Ugh. and if I'm honest, if I check in with my body in those moments, like I actually don't want to be in my body in those moments. It doesn't mm -hmm. feel good to be an embodied being. Mm -hmm. And of course, you know, I have my own go to's like, I'll get really busy, I'll start to compulsively think I'll mm -hmm. love to like, you know, check my emails and my news feeds, I have so many ways of not being in my body. Yeah. And just just a deliberate practice where I expect to fail at it many dozens, if not hundreds of times a day of catching myself avoiding coming mm -hmm. back into the immediacy of sensation in the body. Mm. realizing like, yeah, that's right. It, it doesn't feel good to have a body right now, but then that reward flavor that's deeper than good or bad. Mm. I, every time I redirect into like a fuller embodiment, I taste that flavor of there's something in me that's so deep and so vast and so divine that I can hold it all. 
I can mm. absolutely hold it all. And the, to me, the, the, just the, you know, image par excellence in our tradition is Christ in Gethsemane. He's, mm. he's showing us that we all have that capacity to be so big that mm. we can hold it all, especially when we don't want to hold it. Mm. And our body is the, our, our body is the alembic. It's the alchemical vessel where we prove our faith again and again, mm. by saying, I'm going to stay in my body, even though I really don't want to right now. Mm. It's such a simple practice and so difficult and a, a yeah. lifelong one that I, I work at and I fail at every day. Yeah, it's so, you know, it's just our theology of embodiment is so remarkable, right? Yeah. Because many Christian traditions tend to reject the body or to say the body is the threat to goodness. And of course, we have our own cultural traditions around this as well. We, you know, we often talk as if the body is the threat to our goodness, yeah. you know, sexuality and so on. So, um, but I, I'm just sort of thinking out loud here. I, I think yeah. I love what you're talking about because first of all, it's like learning to be embodied, how to say it, to be in our bodies, to basically tolerate embodiment in a way it's really what yes. you're saying yeah <laughs> uh and it's a process a developmental process to kind of really be more integrated in our embodiment yeah. um and it is to become better friends with fear and vulnerability i think on some level is to yeah. is, is what it requires it, um, totally yeah i think theologically when when i as just some some individual some guy when i redirect attention and intention into the body in my own small but significant way i'm descending below all things mm. at least yeah to the extent that i'm able in this particular moment in my own progression mm. um, i feel god's joy in that I, I don't think qualitatively I don't think, you know, Christ descending below all things and the courage each of us have to descend into like the depths of what we're holding in a given moment is any less significant to God. Mm. Yeah. And that's, that's actually quite stunning to, to feel yeah. included cosmically on that level. Yeah. I love that. Right. Rather than this is something Christ did for me and I can, I'm disconnected from it yeah and can't comprehend it yeah that i'm idea. downstream from it yeah um, yes we, exactly. we're, we're generating the waves moment i mean that's a big theme in the yeah. book you know atonement at one moment every moment we can be at one with our own embodied experience and that from my perspective is is amplifying the depth and the power of the atonement right now mm. and that's yeah. profound you know just yeah. how integral we all are to what we call the plan of salvation what we call atonement like atonement can't be atonement fully without each of us is is my view yeah wow that's really you know it, so often we talk about atonement as a legalistic term you know right. that we have this debt and right. and, and I, I don't know it's always wrong very i mean this is gonna it's always wrong very hollow to me like Sure. Kind of a made up problem. That's sort of how I would think yeah. about it. Like it's just a made up yeah. problem and then you have a solution and 
And right. why would God create us as flawed beings and then say we're the problem? <laughs> yeah. That just never resonated with me. This was right. several of the one of several of the things that yeah. would just jar me as a younger person. Yes. Uh, but this idea of intimacy and and my husband has talked to me a lot about this is always how he's thought about it. Is this is a is is about an intimacy of really being at one. Um right. that that's really where the word came from. And and we've put a legalistic framing on it. Right. But this act of intimacy and connection in suffering, in vulnerability, in um in the these are my words and I, I think you got a handle on it. I love it. I love what you're saying. But but yeah, it's just this kind of like there's moments I know in my own life where you just sort of contemplate how remarkable and terrifying life is at the same time, how beautiful yeah. and uncertain and in this sort of duality of like, yeah. and it feels like it's almost going to break your heart yeah. when you contemplate it. And yeah. as, and I can also feel often in that a sense of, of connection to something, like a connection to something, even though I don't understand it, I wish I had it all hammered out in my mind and I knew exactly right. how this was gonna go. Yes. Mm -hmm. It's yeah. so interesting to me right now, Jennifer, as you're talking, um, because you know this the theme of re human relationship and intimacy is you know in the background of my mind and present between us for this call. It's so interesting to me. I'm seeing this parallel with the way we talk about atonement. It's mm. yet another way we defend against intimacy. Yeah. Right. If 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 the atonement means that I'm flawed and I need to feel bad about it my whole life and I'm I'm never quite there, right. then that's actually very convenient to keep intimacy to, or love, we could say more directly yes. at a distance from myself. I don't have yes. to open up to God's overwhelming love because I'm a problematic person. Like it's that's not right. time for that yet because I'm still, that's right. I have so many problems to fix. Yes, so really e has. even this conversation about atonement, it's saying like, you know what? You got to let go of that, that yep. fantasy of controlling the terms of what yes. atonement means. Yeah, that's and all of a sudden it's like, whoa, yeah, I don't know if I'm ready for that. Yeah. You know. No, I love it. I, you know, I talk sometimes about in our ego defensiveness, we can go one up or we can go one down yeah. and that both are living in a distorted view of self or other. Right. And both are intimacy avoidant positions. Yeah. They're, they're both ways to get out of the vulnerability of who we actually are and are not. Right. And, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Amen. And, you know, and Jesus did not look too kindly on the one up, one down model. You know, when he talks yeah. about the laborers in the vineyard, he's like, doesn't matter when you came, doesn't yeah. matter when you leave. You're all, I love you all so yes. radically. There's nothing you can do about it. And it destroys that yeah. illusion of right. one up, one down. Exactly. Yeah. 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 That's so good. Well, it's also related to Clive's dilemma, I think. And, I know you're kind of coming to this story a little, you know, um, late. <laughs> you yeah, it's it's not fair for me to psychoanalyze anybody. I know nothing. Well, I, no, I know no, nothing. it's okay. You know, it's okay. Me... It's a very, Clive's <laughs> dilemma is a very human dilemma. I know this dilemma in my own life. I was terrified to kind of step into my own marriage and to really be there. I wanted to be loved, but I wanted to kind of hedge about really stepping in and, and choosing um, because it, I felt like I'm going to lose control of something. He's going to really know me and see me if I do that. And, and also I can't, you know, sort of 
hold open the idea of multiple other po you know possibilities for my life so yeah. and yet i was suffering the more i did it the more i was he was suffering but i was also suffering right. and right. when i finally let go of it like everything got better my whole life got better mm -hmm. i felt better about yeah. me i felt better about us you know but i see clive in this story as doing what you were just talking about in this kind of going one down like i'm the loser with the porn addiction um mm. who has never been enough and i've got to earn this through my overfunctioning, mm. earn my worthiness prove yeah. to the world i'm a good guy yeah but it's also in my view a way of keeping a conditionality alive yeah that justifies him and also keeps giving the illusion of control yeah mm -hmm. yeah yeah i mean that's that's beautifully said um i, I don't know that i could add anything to that I, I i guess like language that has worked for me in this area um it's it's easy to allow ourselves to get absorbed in a self-improvement project Yes. Because it's it's intoxicating because if if I tell myself I'm a good person who's trying to be even better, well then like I should be able to have all the time in the world. What in, what more noble thing could I do to try to improve myself for my wife, for my community, for God? And the subtlety of that is the actual effect of that self improvement project is that I never actually have to be present and intimate and naked right now. Yeah. So that's hard, and I can speak to that because I am that. Yes. Same. Right. Yeah. We're always running and then you don't have to actually just show up and be right and be with. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. So that's tender. I, I feel, I mean, Clive's a pseudonym, but I'm Clive and I just feel so tender for that. Yeah, absolutely. That, that need to be busy. Yes. Yeah. And Thomas, can, can you make a little bit of a distinction? Because some might say, well, okay, well, if we're should we not achieve things right yeah, i mean totally. okay i'm sure you could anticipate this should we just <laughs> suffer like is it wrong to want yeah. to avoid suffering so how would you think about that thanks for the question the first thing i would say is that something is already working mm -hmm. yeah even before you formulate that question even before i pretend like i know something about the answer something's already working Mm. So at the level of just awesome grace and divine life, mm. we're so held already mm. from what I can feel in my heart that we go left, we go right, we, we get all busy and pretend like we're not worthy, we avoid intimacy. Somehow God redeems that and sanctifies it. Mm -hmm. I, would just, I just feel that in my heart. That's my mm -hmm. witness that, that divine reality is that awesome. Mm -hmm. But then if I were to, and, and proceeding from this place is, well, something's already working. So it's not like we can screw it up and like uh, disqualify ourselves from God's love ever. And that I think leads to my second intuition about this. And, you know, my thinking has changed. Maybe I'm growing up a little bit and learning more about, you know, how God loves us as I get a little bit older. But when I'm trying to improve myself, I talk about this phenomenon of hating myself forward in the book. Mm. Like I'm hate, like I'm I'm moving forward. I'm improving. I'm doing things yeah, right. that are societally, you know, like 
you know, sanction for self-improvement. Right. But the quality moment to moment in my heart is that I don't feel good enough. I just feel guilty. And the, actually, right, the right. more I do, the harder I feel like I have to try. If I can start from a place of God's awesomeness. Yeah. I wonder, as I say that, how relatable that is to everyone listening. Maybe I can slow down and say something maybe truer. Um, However I do it, if I'm able to just touch into my intrinsic wholeness, yeah, then the quality I bring to moment to moment action is one of wholeness. And yes. I'm still doing things in the world. And in fact, I'm still improving, right. but it's a completely different quality. I'm improving in a kind of overflowing motion. Like I'm already whole, I'm already full. So why not play a little bit? Why not try some things? I'm so, yes. It's like when we have, if we have $0 in the bank account, we can't start like do that startup concept we've been thinking about for 10 years. We've got to just put bread on the table. But right. if, if we have all these savings, like I'm going to take some risks. Right. If I'm already whole, if I'm already full, like why not take some risks and try something with my wife, with my partner that I would have never tried because it was too scary before. Yeah. So it's something about we it's creating we and creative. And so, yeah. Yes. Mm -hmm. And it's so personal. I'm hesitant to call it even anything because I know how personal this is, our relationship mm -hmm. to whatever this is. But for me, I'll call it wholeness. And I know when I really, really relax mm -hmm. in the wholeness and I am wholeness, then mm -hmm. everything I do is a manifestation of that wholeness. And I, I end up like being like more playful and taking risks and actually welcoming more intimacy yes. into my life. So it has something to do with shifting the seat of our identity and who we take ourselves to be. Yes. And that's, yeah, that's and, delicate. Yeah. And I'm certain that for people who were loved well, you know, we all loved imperfectly, but loved well, you know, that yeah. as Richard Rohr talks about that a parent that could reflect that divine mirror could say you are yeah. precious and worthy just because you are. Yeah, it's much. I would imagine I, I don't know if you have thoughts about this, that it's, it's much easier to kind of feel that sense of abundance to feel yes, I believe in a God that loves me because I have been loved. And so yes, I can feel that I feel open to that. Uh, yeah. Because I, I've learned to trust it already. Um, yeah. But for someone who's learned it's dangerous to trust that it's been met with disappointment. Yeah. better to find the ways to control and and you know either try to earn your love or, or not open up to love at all uh, that it's a much bigger act of faith yeah to lean into that possibility of yeah. your intrinsic value mm -hmm. yes yeah I, I don't disagree I, I think that's very much true in a relative way it's it's a it's a total privilege to be to have like the attention the loving attention of caregivers when we were young to like champion us and hold us as we're learning to take risks no question that's a developmental privilege that not everybody has and for those who don't have it i also like want to come back to what you said like so beautifully about the deeper order mm -hmm. um, i have met wounded healers in this world they they, they are powerful because yes. of the privations 
in their lives. And like, it's, it's back to this like incredible grace. My, my granddad taught me this, he called it. I don't know if this is a broader teaching in the church, but he talked about the law of compensation, like mm. somehow heaven compensates us. If, if we have those privileges mm. that you named, then so much the better Then we trust divine life in a certain way. And if we were deprived of all of that, then somehow in that brokenness, yeah. in that brokenness, God finds a way to flow more grace through us. Yeah. Like, somehow it's all redeemed and we're compensated in the end it yeah. is, is what I see. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that it really is there for us. I mean, it, it, yeah. it really is there for us. And, yeah. and, you know, I know at times, especially when I was younger, I would feel like I really believe in a God who loves me yeah. and that I really matter, but I cannot feel it right now. <laughs> and that yeah. would still help me. Like I, I, my, my ego yeah. defensive, I didn't have that language then, but like <laughs> my brain is not able to actually open into that yeah. but i feel it i believe it's true and, and that was very yeah. helpful for me to just kind of keep i was doing a kind of meditation in my late yeah. adolescence that i don't i didn't yeah. have no one had taught it to me it was a kind of prayer but it was not filled with requests it was more about <laughs> seeking divinity right. and right. a sense of who i actually was right and it was a very important time for me um to really feel the reality of a of a divinity uh that right. was there for me yeah 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 it's so beautifully said um it's it's stunning what god does with our broken lives so-called mm -hmm. our, our broken lives are our divine wholeness itself mm -hmm. yeah christy what other questions are people asking <laughs> Okay. Could we answer a question through that? I don't, <laughs> exactly. I don't even know if we answered <laughs> Yeah. Um, Words were spoken. Someone asked, they said they really enjoyed reading Jennifer's entry in Why I Stay Two. And they wondered if Thomas had to write an entry for Why I Stay Three, what he might say. So I don't know if Thomas. Do you know what that is, Thomas? Do you know what that Why I Stay is? Uh, I, I mean, contextually. I yes. Have a sense. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> what, what was the word count on your essay to give me a sense of? <laughs> yeah. Is this like uh, are these long form essays? Are these yeah. book chapters? Um, yeah. I don't know if it was long enough, but it was long. Yeah. I mean, who knows? <laughs> um, yeah. What, what would I write for YS Day? Um, I mean, if I could just shift the parameters of like when we say why I stay, we generally are talking about why I stay in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And that's an important framing. Um, for me, I would just shift the boundaries of the question a little bit, like why I stay in the gospel, why I stay in relationship to God is because the more I open to intimacy with God, the more I realize how God cannot let me fail and will not let me fall. Mm. Um, I, I stay because I don't, I don't even think it's cosmically possible to not stay. If staying means staying in relationship with the divine and being made more holy through that communion. Mm -hmm. And I stay in church because I just like going to church. I love mm -hmm. you know, make friends there and sing about Jesus. And, mm -hmm. you know, it's yeah. renewing. Yeah. I, I think why it's often hard for people to stay is if they feel like I, I can't 
get the validation of what I feel or who I am. And I feel, I mean, I think why church was painful for me as a younger person at times was because yeah. I felt like I had to contort myself into something to get the group's validation and to be yeah. what the group wanted from me. And yeah, yeah. And I think f what often happens for people who stay is perhaps a deeper internal sense. I mean, I, that's really how you're answering this question is because I understand something that I, that I need and that I, I can't depart from because yeah. it's, I, it resonates yeah. with me and I feel it. And I love the people at church, like, and I, and I like them, <laughs> but, but you're not sort of looking to that to tell you who to be. Yeah. Yeah. No, thank you for that reflection. I, I feel very seen when you say that. And I don't know if this is allowed, but I want to like have a mulligan and answer that question again, because like the, yeah, the deeper layers sure. of it are setting in. Um, uh, this, these are my own views. Um, mm -hmm. But uh, I think one reason I quote stay is I think people who know my background, I, I wasn't church going for 20 years, most of my adult life. And I felt for whatever reason, I felt very empowered to take really good care of myself and ask, like, what do I need to grow in God? Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying I got it all right, but I at least felt confident enough to take some risks and try some things. So I didn't feel like I needed to stay and I didn't feel like I needed to return. There, there was no compulsion. There was no coercion. Yeah. It was I was I freely move about because I believe in the goodness of God. And if people need to take care of themselves by leaving, they're still my brothers and sisters. And if they exactly. take care of themselves by staying. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So, lots of ways to come with that question. That's right. <laughs> I, I, exactly. I, I feel that so much. <laughs> like, really, the goal is how do we move into this sort of deeper communion? And that's the goal. <laughs> In my yeah. view, with I'm not, you know, telling you should stay, you should go. That's right. never... I want people to kind of really attend to what they need and who they are and what's going to allow this sort of divine light to resonate in their lives more. Yeah. And that may be different answers for different people, but that's the goal. Yeah. Amen. Absolutely. Yeah. Sing it. Yeah. Christy, I don't even know what time it is. How, how okay, we've got a little time. Give us some <laughs> more questions, Christy. Sure, sure. Uh, someone said, what similarities do you observe between recognizing, accepting, digesting, and then releasing physical and psycho-emotional pain? Read me the verbs again. Will you give it from the top? Sure. Yeah, um, thank you. What similarities do you observe between recognizing, accepting, digesting, and then releasing physical and psycho-emotional pain? What similarities? Is that yeah, what it was? That's a tough question. That's the question. <laughs> I know. Yeah. That's is it I'm... what similarities we see in those in that process? It's such a beautiful sequence they describe. But, I mean, that's... yeah, that's what he was asking. What similarities do you see between those? I mean, it, honestly, this is one of those moments where you know the answer is in the question. I just feel like somebody who's experienced this this process of psycho spiritual healing and purification so many times to articulate that question says a lot about the one asking the question. Um, I, I don't know if uh, 
who was it, who was the author, who said always a beautiful, uh, always a beautiful answer that leads to a more beautiful question. The question is more beautiful than the answer. I yield mm -hmm. to Jennifer on that one. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, the, the person asking the question that? the person asking the question is a beautiful person as a beautiful soul i've never met him but i know from the questions and the responses he gives online to many other people that he's a thoughtful genuine yeah, soul really it's an, it's an amazing question maybe if i could just add my own flair to it it's already so beautifully phrased um you know in a sense there's no difference between the recognition, acceptance, digestion, excretion, however you worded it so perfectly. It's it's all just one, it's, we use words to kind of divide up the process, but it's all just one seamless flow of grace, which clearly you're intimate with. And it's just beautiful mm. to name it that way. Mm. Do you have something on that, Jennifer? I'm curious. I, do I have any thoughts? I, I don't know that I do. I'm just thinking about it. I mean, something I've been thinking about is that, you know, I'm not, I'm not like, I'm not a meditator. We would, I've done lots of yoga and things like that. And then, <laughs> then we'd come to the Shavasana and I'd be like, I've got things to do. I, I gotta get out. <laughs> you know, I mean, I don't know. I, I, I'm such a doer. I grew up, you know, my parents are both farmers from Idaho oh, and there's just amazing. like this very strong work ethic in my family of origin. And, and, um, so the contemplative life, I mean, it's actually not quite fair to myself because on the other hand, I'm always thinking a lot about life and the meaning of life. Yeah. And I do yeah. spend a lot of still time, actually. I, I really yeah. do. Um, and, and, you know, so it's, it's interesting. But there's something I, I have a challenge. Practice. I want to I okay, want to get in on this. Give it to me. Yeah, no, you, you go ahead. I mean, I just want to register my complaint with you. <laughs> okay, well, I, I think I'm leading right up to it. But I think there's this, something about the practice of meditation. Yeah, for me, it's like, ah, it feels like that's <laughs> just like a, a waste of time. I mean, that's really what kind of comes to mind for me. Totally. Yeah. I, I recognize the immaturity and <laughs> what I'm actually might be. saying. Because... I, I can't prove that it's not just a tremendous waste of time. <laughs> it's a sunk cost for me at this point. I've done many tens now of thousands of hours. It. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I got to make this thing pay off, Jennifer. Easy. <laughs> the thing is, I also know when I spend time in, in just like, just just with my own breath, just relaxing into, you know, and and for me, I think the the kind of, I didn't move so much into meditation and a young age, but I very much moved into this kind of self honesty. Like this was a thing for me that was like yeah. a rigorous self honesty that I think produced a lot of kind of clear clarity in my life and and yeah. a sort of deeper tether to what's true and and that was very anchoring for me. Um. But I don't know that I'm as good as I could be in a way that I think would enrich my life yeah. in being more, taking more time for just this contemplative or sort of uh, resting into what is. Yeah. 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 No, I, I love that. Um, I'm going to go a different direction than I thought I might because I'm thinking about the question that was just asked about yeah. this process of, you know, recognizing, accepting, digesting. Yeah. I mean, we talk about the discipline, the spiritual practice of fasting in our tradition, and at just a bodily level, it allows our digestive system to just like burn yeah. through 
anything undigested. It's, it's healthy for the body to fast. Yes. At a more subtle level, it's very healthy to have sensory fast, however often, like yeah. to not take in new information, to not consciously try to generate new thoughts. Uh, I, you know, for a long time at the end of the day, I've had a practice of just kind of being still for a moment. It doesn't have to be long. Mm. And when I create a context of stillness, I feel the body mind kind of catching up with the experiences of the day and digesting mm. it. Yeah. Right. So to just, I mean, to, to have a sensory fast, maybe is culturally feels a little more close to what we're used to doing. Yeah. And we can all do that. You don't have to like buy a meditation cushion and incense and a temple gong and ring it, <laughs> you know, like to take a moment of stillness yeah. and feel the way like spirit is just using experience for its, for its good. Yeah. Spirit, experience is consecrated for our good, you know? And, yeah. Meditation is just like a willingness to digest that, to like really receive the nutrients of our lives. Yeah. Well, and to be honest, you know, it's 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 in those moments of stillness that the richness of life is more available to me. Like I can yeah. feel it more, and I can ex I'm in it more. And you know, it's when you're just running from one thing to the next, you never are there for it. And, yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. right. It's, um, it's a contrast to, I mean, the way like we couldn't read poetry if the whole page were ink, there'd be no words. It's the, it's the negative space. It's the blank space that causes the letters mm -hmm. to be discernible. Silence is like this palate cleanser. It, it causes sensory experience to pop and, and it gives us, I think for me, it gives us a better chance at realizing like this display that we call human life mm. i mean it's 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 unbelievable that we're having this experience we're having right now yes it is <laughs> it's, it's amazing <laughs> yeah. yeah well i we're i think we're at time yeah we are so but um uh, it's been such a so fun to just totally. have this conversation. i love it jennifer yeah, yeah. thank you so much for having me here. I hope, I hope the conversation was uh, helpful and supportive to a hundred percent, a hundred percent. And maybe yeah. we can have you back again at some point. So, oh, indeed. Yeah. I'd be yeah. honored. Yeah. And thank yeah. you again for spending time with the book. I just feel your heart on it. Just to be able to have this conversation with you is why I wrote it to just connect with people about the divine life and to just live in our wholeness and our fullness together. And I've gotten to do that with you and I, I couldn't ask for more. Yeah. Well, thank you, Thomas. And, and, Thank you to all the listeners here. Just, you know, that, I mean, I'll just say the thing that like sustains me so much in the world is seeing the good in humanity. And there's a lot of dark in humanity, but I see it so much in you, Thomas. I see it so much in the people in this collective group because I, I see their conversations online. They're grappling with some of the themes that are in the podcasts and so on. And, and just so much desire to, seek and live in the good and um it's just you know it's i just it's a privilege to be brothers and sisters together so yeah i felt that in this space with you i feel the same yeah total privilege yeah okay thank you everyone who's here i'm sorry for all the probably millions of questions there that we didn't ever get to but uh but um thanks again thomas and yeah. and i do hope we have you again at some point that would be wonderful so thanks jennifer yeah. thanks so okay much. take care bye